Okay, so here we are. We're live from the from the costume studio. Does that kind of really work? Yeah, no, I think we go costume yeah, studio. From the costume yeah. studio. Um, I'm just trying to line up our guest. But in the meantime, welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. And what a frantic 15 minutes that's been. Yeah, that was um, that was quite interesting. So, um, so Ian, what have we what have we got to discuss today? There's a whole list of stuff. I a bit of rich tapestry in politics. We thought after we got Brexit done, there'd be nothing for us to discuss. But we've got a whole range today. We've got Matthew Winnington, who's the cabinet member for health, who's going to join us to talk about some of the challenges around GP surgeries in Portsmouth. We've got the Labour leadership campaign, you know, like so many great supergroups, four have become three, so we've, uh, we have we can kick that one about. Um, we need to discuss the tragic exit of Super Sag. Super Sag is gone. So, yeah, so there's uh, lots, lots of things to discuss. There's some coming, comings and goings locally. Yeah, um, we've got the, it was budget week, wasn't it? In, it was. In terms of... Uh, and again, no super surge involved there either. There's no place for the lad anywhere at the moment. It's uh, no, no, the um, no, the surge is gone. So um, we are we we were had plans to actually go live a little bit earlier um, and talk more fully about the Labour leadership contest, but um, I struggled a bit with the technology, to be honest with you. So I apologise for for us being late, dear listener. Um, Shall we tackle super surge first? Yeah, let's let's talk about Saj. So, so super 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 Sajid Javed resigns as the Chancellor because evidently he wants to keep his special advisers and does not want a group of special advisers hand picked by our friendly career psychopath Dominic Cummings. Well, Pre- I don't I don't know that I'd be as free as to use a term like psychopath to describe him, but no, um, it's not my words. David Cameron. Um, well, yeah, well, um, to be honest, I got over listening to David Cameron quite a long time ago, and I'm sure everyone else did. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, I mean, to be honest with you, fair play for Saj, uh, for, um, not, not agreeing to, um, to operate under those terms and for, uh, effectively sticking up for his team that he's obviously worked so hard with. Um, I guess that causes the Tories a bit of a question of, do they postpone the budget or do they kind of bundled together some post-it notes or has Dominic Cummings probably got it already written and just gives it over? Well, I think there was always going to... This budget for me was always going to be a tricky one Mm -hmm. because Boris is not known for his rigid fiscal prudence. No. Um, And, you know, it was my concern when he was elected as our leader that, you know, good, sensible, sound fiscal conservatism is not necessarily his... um, his bag. So I do wonder whether Sajid's departure is as much about Boris wanting to raid the piggy bank as it is about, um, you know, about the special advisor issue. Or it may be that his special advisors were very much don't raid the piggy bank. There's not as much money there as you'd think. Whereas uh, Bojo and Cummings were doing the all oh, go on empty your pockets. Uh, yeah, I, get, I, I think maybe you're right. There is um, maybe, to be honest, they knew that. Um, Sajid would wouldn't actually agree to these terms, and therefore made them a requirement of his continued place as Chancellor. 
um, knowing that basically he'd um, he'd he'd resign over that. Um, and if that's the case, um, that you know, again, they've kind of played a blinder. Whether you call that um, really good strategy, you could argue that there's a history of tension between Number Ten and Eleven Downing Street. Yep. As to finding out who has the kind of seat seat of power, does the PM kind of tend to do the the um, this is what I want, and whoever is the Chancellor kind of gets to say, nah, you can't have that." So well, yeah, yeah. And for me, it's it's it's. It's always about detail, isn't it? Your, your budget is always about the detail rather than your... Your ground aspiration is very easy to say out loud. When it actually comes down to putting them into a spreadsheet, that's where spreadsheet Phil was so good in that, you know, whilst I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the stuff he did, he was... At least he understood his numbers. So I think, as I say, a couple of weeks' time, um, there was a hint this morning from Grant Chaps on the politics show that it might not be at the original date. And to be fair, if I was sat in the new chair, as you say, unless there is a, it's wrapped in a bow with read that out in two weeks time, then I'd want at least a little bit more time to actually understand where we're going next with the whole fiscal prudence thing. Yeah. Yeah. It it does seem a really tight timescale to try and drop yourself into it. Um, So it's a difficult one. So we're, we're keeping a close eye on the time at the moment because we've, we've arranged for um, Matthew Willington to join us to be our first telephone guest yep. hey, um, to join us at seven o'clock. Um, so we've, we've actually got three people following us live at the moment, which is, um, which is really good. Um, so thank you very much, all three of you. That's like a... Well, it's always best when your audience is bigger than your cast. Yes, Yes, this is this is true. It's, it's not, not always, it's it's not not always massive, the case. It's not a massive aspiration for us, but at no, least it's a start. No, so. but it, you know, at, at least so if we can. It's not not my not my biggest uh, not my biggest video, uh, live video review of the weekend. Oh, all right, all right. So Ian's referring to um, an advert for a a certain gym so that he's involved in. There wasn't an advert. It was an infomercial about. Weight, tra- weight training as a visually impaired person and if you'd like to go to joe.co.uk you can be one of the 30,000 plus people who have observed the video of me looking earnest and corporate. Well, I have no idea whether I look earnest or corporate or a fool sat on a weights machine. But um, it, is a, it is a very good video, I have, I have to say. Um, but just to be clear, we don't have any sponsors, but if people are willing to... No, um, if, if, to be fair, they're if, quite welcome. If the, if Joe would would like to promote us or, or like to co-promote us, I would be more than happy <laughs> to share in their four and a half million Facebook followers. Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a slice. We'll of have that. a slice of yeah, that particular we'll have, we'll have pie. A slice of that. And I guess if we're thinking about the cabinet reshuffle, Penny mm-hmm. Morden is back in the fold, isn't she? Uh, yes, she is, which um, I'm not at all surprised about, to be honest, nope. but I kind of almost expected her to go back because she obviously did very, very well and had a very natural fit with her experience mm. um, and her background with defence. Um, so I kind of almost hung out with the idea that that would be where she'd end up. Yeah, funny old position she's in, isn't it? Paymaster mm. General. It's one of those. Yeah, what the hell's that? Oh, no, I love those terms. It's not as good as the one they've got in Scotland. Scotland, they've got the Procurator Fiscal. I don't know what they do, but oh, isn't that a great title? Wouldn't you want to be one of those? Um, it, yes. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's, I, it, it, mm, I so, don't know. There's something about how it sounds. That, so why have we invited Matt on to the... Oh, and here comes Matt. This so, is superb. So hang on. Hello, Matt. Hello. Hello. Ah, welcome Can caller. you hear us? 
Yes, I certainly can. I certainly can. Fantastic. Well, we can certainly hear you, and hopefully everyone else can, <laughs> everyone else can too. Otherwise, this is going to be a really weird segment of the show. Yep. Um, so thank you for agreeing to, uh, to be our very first telephone guest. Um, and that was immaculately timed because I was just about to... Um, say to Ian why we wanted to invite you onto the show. So um, the, it was the, um, the full council budget meeting, um, the Tuesday just gone um, at Portsmouth City Council. Um, and one of the actual items um, on the agenda at that full council meeting was talking uh, around the surgery, surgery, the surgery in Hanway Road. Um, and um, so you, you spoke um, obviously with your um, from your cabinet brief as the cabinet member for health and social care is that the right title health well-being and social care right i beg your pardon so with right. with your experience and your your inside knowledge um what was what was the what were the points that you you were making so the 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 main point was that um uh we i think the most important thing is is, is about our, our real lack of control over these kind of things um so uh, this goes right back to 1948 when the NHS was created. Uh, NHS uh, doctors are actually private contractors. Uh, they run their own surgeries. They uh, they have partners who run them, and then they can employ doctors as well uh, and other medical and non-medical members of staff. Um, and they run them in, in contract, in, in unique contracts with the NHS. Um, it so, takes a lot of work to do that, and um, uh, we first started closing not very long ago at all, probably about, um, well, after Christmas, it was in the new year, so uh, so that was the first we knew about it, and, and then this became a bit of an issue in terms of, obviously, the outcry against it, and having real concerns about a steady closing. Uh, it was... We had those conversations with the uh, with the people from the um, clinical commissioning group, which is the uh, made up of GPs in the area who, who commission health services, and the GPs from the, that practice itself, and the one they they're looking to merge with. That we found out that effectively we were within a rock and a hard place. Either they would uh, merge and not provide services on that site anymore, not have a surgery on that site anymore, or the merger wouldn't take place, the uh, surgery, the partners would hand back their list of, uh, of patients, and uh, you would be left with um, 14,000 people with no surgery, that they would have to um, register with a new surgery completely. So can we just unpick that for a minute, Matt? Because I think that would come as a surprise to most of our listeners and probably I think comes as a surprise to me. So a, a GP's practice is almost like a third-party contractor working for the NHS. So, you know, pe people set these surgeries up and effectively, you know, they're contracting. But uh, I guess if, they're, if their surgery isn't making money or isn't generating enough, quote-unquote, business to pay for the staff... Then, you know, in that in that classical business model that that is so low, if they merge with another surgery, then effectively they'll combine their back office staff and reduce their cost base down. Yeah. So the the particular issue with Hamway Road was that two of their partners are retiring um, next year, and uh, also rather later this year, and and actually another one of the 
uh, one and a half partners because she's part-time. There's a full-time partner and a part-time partner. One of them is actually retiring within three years as well. Right. So one of the really big issues is, is about having partners. So the partners are the owners of the surgery. So they're the people who, um, I think I, said, I actually said at the previous council meeting, all of us, all of us as, as, um, as patients of all our surgeries are actually owned by the partners of our surgery. Wow. And that's the list. So they own the list. Um, and that's, that, that moves with them wherever they go. So with this merger that they want to do reports down, all of the people who are Hanway Road, and obviously it includes Stubbington Avenue as well, all those people in those, those two uh, surgeries, which is one practice, will then go with the, the, the partner or the partners who are left into the other uh, surgery. But, but yeah, the, the, the particular issue here is, yes, in some cases it's the case of it's not making money, but most often mergers happen because partners retire. And being a partner is very unattractive for GPs because it's a huge amount of work. Um, there's a huge level of um, responsibility as well. It can often be uh, being directly responsible for owning a building yep. or it can be directly responsible for, uh, for a lease. And, of course, you have to manage that to make sure that you're providing, obviously, getting an income. There are actually some cases whereby partners of practices can be less well-paid than the uh, contracted GPs they have, or even locums, because they're finding their overheads being so expensive. And and it's an in, um, it's, isn't it an interesting dichotomy? Because sometimes when when we hear stories about the NHS, there's there's the you know well there's too many there's too many managers there's too many you know we should be focusing more on you know clinical practitioners but it sounds like in this scenario we we've got people who are experienced GPs who are clinical practitioners and obviously very skilled experienced and trained but they're actually having to step out of treating people into doing all kinds of what I describe as business administration to run the surgery Absolutely, yeah, and and this is one of the so the interesting thing with what happens when it comes from government, and and again, this is this is a nineteen. So this was a, you know, the, so the system was set up in nineteen forty eight. This system of effectively GPs being sole con so contracted who solely contracted to one organisation, i.e. the NHS. Yeah. And what ha what's happened in the last seventy two years is that you have got more and more things that they have to do. So more and more burdens have been placed on GPs because and on partners, but there hasn't been the equivalent increase in money that comes to uh, GP surgeries to enable them to either have someone else do that work or actually they're legally obliged to take part in, in, um, in the work that they've got to do. So the burden's been increased on partners, which is why it's much harder to get partners now than it used to be. Mm. But, and therefore, this crisis, so what we're talking about in Portsmouth, and this is only the beginning, uh, well, it's not even the beginning, this has already happened as well in, in other surgeries. I was a uh, patient at Ramillies down at the Victoria Road um, South, and, of course, that merged in with um, what's now Trafalgar practice, which is Osborne Road and, and um, 
Peace in the Health Centre. And and that was exactly the same situation. Um, partner retiring um, wasn't enough to keep... Because the other thing is you can't run it with too few partners. No. Because it becomes clinically dangerous. And that's when the that's when you get that's your rock and hard place situation, because it's um, because partners have um, clinical responsibility as well, and one and a half partners for fourteen thousand patients is not clinically safe. So it sounds um, sounds to me, Matt, like we've got a we've got a short term issue here in Portsmouth, and perhaps a wider issue that that despite the best will in the world, we're not going to solve locally. So from a from a local perspective, you know, obviously the the council's hands appear tied, but I guess, you know, have you got, you know, some ideas, some plans, uh, A, with this specific issue, and, and B, you know, if this is more likely to happen across the city, is there anything proactively you can do to, to minimise the impact going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So, um so as I say, we've had these so since we became aware of the situation. We've had quite a number of meetings in terms of to see if there is a way that we could possibly keep, uh, if there's a way the council could support Hamway Road surgery staying open. And unfortunately, it looks like that isn't going to be the case uh, because of the uh, the prerogative of in the end, this is a, a business decision yep. uh, between uh, between the the current Hamway practice and, and Portsdown. Um, even some of the other practices we understand they talk to, they've uh, the the partners of Hamway have confirmed that no one was actually interested in keeping Hamway surgery open. Mm. So one of the things that we're really interested in, and this has certainly been um, viewed as positively, certainly with uh, Portsdown, but also we have a, a called the GP Alliance, which is literally all the GPs in the city. Um, of um, having plates, because at the moment we don't have any, but maybe using public places. So uh, in, in this case, it could be Buckham Housing Office, which is literally 50 metres from from the Hamway practice, maybe using that as an outstation where you could have a clinic with GPs in it sort of a couple of times a week to keep uh, primary care at the centre of our communities as much as possible. Um so that, that, that's one of our ideas. The other thing is getting a much wider meeting together um, and have this as like a standing meeting between ourselves uh, as, as the council. But when I say the council, that means councillors from all parties, um, also the, the CCG, the Clinical Commissioning Group, um, maybe the GP Alliance, or maybe they do it through the CCG, uh, Southern NHS Trust, and also the hospital. Because there might, because we've got to prepare for for this happening again, and if we can do what we can to make sure that we're we do what we we can as a council with those organisations, then we can hopefully keep as much primary care in as much areas of the city as possible, because this is just the beginning. Um, because, like you've said. This isn't a local thing. This is a national thing, and it's a national problem that, frankly, central government seems have known about for the last twenty years, and they haven't really done anything about it. No, so, no, no, sorry, Simon. No, no, sorry. So, uh, so I guess, I guess, kind of locally is is what you're saying. Really, the only powers you so you've you've kind of split it into two different 
two different issues fundamentally, haven't you? One is that um, um, there aren't enough, there, there simply aren't enough GPs. People are coming up to retirement, and there aren't, there aren't enough actually wanting to enough freshly trained doctors to actually want to take over those positions. But part of that, uh, part of the thing that makes it such an unattractive proposition, is the business organisation and the amount of kind of mm. um, logistical stuff that they have to deal with. So, kind yeah. of, it sounds like really you're you're kind of you're not even fighting with only one arm kind of behind your back because all, all you've got left is the kind of being able to deal with the landlordy bit of the of, of the issue yeah. is that is that really what you're saying yeah yeah so so one of the things we can do so um is is we can so one of the things we've suggested to hamway was could we look at sort of um is that would there be a possibility of if we if we bought the building and you became tenants would that make it a, a practical proposition and they said in this position no because actually um their issue was around uh, ports down saying if we merge the surgeries we want everyone on because they already have six sites ports down around mm. the city so a huge practice of, of over fifty thousand. um or this would make them over 50,000 patients. Uh, and those six sites right across the city, everywhere from Cosham right down to, to South City. Mm. So the, um, so that we, we suggested that, would that make a, a difference? No. But in other practices, it might do. Um, there's a horror story about Gosports where a, a GP practice of, I think it was, four GPs, four GP partners, three of them left, and it left the last one responsible for a lease for a building. And this was just a private lease with a private landowner. And one person then had the burden of that entire lease, they had the legal responsibility for that. Mm. And that would and that would be absolutely it it was almost financially devastating for that for that person. Uh, so one thing that we might be able to do is if that particular side was an issue, if we could provide buildings that the council owns or do some kind of um, deal where we put social value first, where if that did happen, that same situation, we could treat it in a far more um, holistic way rather than just treating it as we've got to get money off you because you've got a lease with us. Um, so, so that's one of the things that we, we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, alongside coordinating with everyone, because that is our, as as the council, of course, we've got we've got that overview of everything around the city. Um, so that really gives us a, an opportunity to have that real to bring people together on these. Yeah, and it would seem natural uh, that the you know that the, the 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 GPs would want to work together. And again, you'd, you've got to help the hope that the you know the local hospitals would work with you because. Now, fundamentally, if you you know the the deal is quite simple, isn't it? If people can't get a GP appointment and they don't feel well enough, um, they, the, they will they will rock up at the walking centres or straight to A and E, and and exactly. and log jam that entire system. So, and again, I think you know this gives an opportunity, doesn't it, for creative ways of looking at things. Yeah. Again, as far as I'm aware, you know my my GP's consulting room is a is a room with a bed with a curtain round it a, a day. A sort of desk with a workstation on it, uh, a wash basin, and a chair for me to a couple of chairs for me to sit in, which doesn't sound like that would be particularly difficult, you know, to to install a, a microsurgery in 
you know some publicly owned building that that could at least keep a a, a, a GP presence close to close to the community. Absolutely, yeah, and and those are exactly those those ways of looking at things. The other things as well might be to um, uh, to see about um, uh, are there yeah, again premises wise are there sometimes are there places for um, uh, for other allied occupations to to come together to do make it more than just like a say GP clinic could yep. be something mm. we could set some, set something up with social workers uh, with with other um, people as well and this is also why the hospital is important because of course the hospital has got a bigger state as well yeah um, uh, and and of course so the NHS so are we making the best use of that because the the worst thing that could happen as well. If we don't work together with our health partners, we could end up with areas of the city that have real need losing their surgeries. And that doesn't necessarily mean deprived areas. No. Nope. I mean, say, say Drayton, for example, which, of course, has one surgery in Drayton, and there's a, a, an elderly population there, a lot of isolated people. If, if they all, all had to come into... Uh, to Cosham Health Centre, mm. um, or, or anything, anything other than in Drayton, that could be a real issue. Yeah. So, so, so that's a really important yeah. way of us looking right around the city at this. So, is it is it giving you kind of an idea to basically open the eyes a bit wider and, and spot for this coming down the track in the other surgeries across the city? Absolutely, yeah. And and as much as anything, this has been a huge wake up call for everyone, but I think it's been a trigger for us to understand what the situation is as a council, because it hadn't really been that clear. It's, it's very, you know, we, we've been doing increasing working together with the NHS in, in Portsmouth, uh, on a, uh, we call it health and care Portsmouth, so that's social care and NHS working together in the city. Um, and, and the council more broadly as well, not just social care, because there's lots of other bits and pieces of different council work in with that. So we've been creating this, this brand, but actually making it much more than a brand. It's about actually working together. So it's, but it's getting GPs to have those conversations earlier. It's getting us to then be aware, but also be more thinking about, well, where's our estate? What can we do with our estate? Mm we can mention about we've got this area here that might be have a bit of space can, could we ask gps or other health professionals to use it um but certainly it gives us the opportunity to install a way of dealing with this seeing what's coming down the track knowing which gp surgeries are going to be losing their partners through retirement and when and then saying well how can we help with that situation and if that does mean that some buildings are going to close. What's a way that we can mitigate that? And effectively, you can then have a surgery closure, which would then have, um, uh, which as I say, unfortunately, would be unfortunate if it's unavoidable. But then you can, you can try and keep something in that area of some description. Yeah. So there is something there. You you mentioned that. So if the because. I know in the conversation that took place in in the chamber, there was kind of question about you know, um, are, are you know, are is is this um, are ports down that you know the you know are they kind of are they the best kind of people to accept the merger from? 
But in, in the case of, uh, so what happens if the merger doesn't go ahead and the, and the surgery ends up closing? What you you, ta- you said about the um, that's the surgery's list of patients. What then happens to those patients? Do they what? How do they? So what happens is yeah. So what happens is the the, uh, the and this actually happened at Queens Road. So Queens Road closed. We didn't merge with anyone. So what happens then is you. Um, you what call you hand back your list of patients that you own yeah. in inverted commas, um, and then all those patients, rather than them moving across, and so the way it happened with Queens Road was Queens Road closed, but they didn't merge. The part I think one of the partners from Queens Road actually ended up moving and, and working at Hamway, but they weren't going, but they didn't take their list with them because I think they went as a salary GP. So those patients who were registered with Queen's Road, they the list was handed back to the CCG. Then those patients had no GP. So they then had to actively register with a new GP. Um, so f- rather than if they have a merger, the patient list just goes directly across. Wow. So, so that would be a real inconvenience for not only the patients, but also... A real kind of time-absorbing exercise for the for the surgeries concerned, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's, it's a yes. So you could so with with uh, Queens Road closing. So obviously the closest to the closest two to Queens Road were um, Hamway mm-hmm. and um, Kingston Crescent Park, Portsdown. So actually most of them went to one of those two there's a few who were over the other side who went elsewhere but you don't know how many people are going to register what surgery so it's actually a a much more uncertain situation that's a chaos yeah you you don't know what would happen it sounds like chaos well i guess hopefully matt we can make this merger you know work for the good people of portsmouth and it, it sounds promising that that you know again sometimes a jolt like this then gets people to put their creative hats on and try and come up with some some ways of managing this because it's a you know it's a pro- problem that isn't going to go away anytime soon i know you know for me i found it very eye opening I, I i naively believed that that the surgeries were sort of run from some central arrangement somewhere i didn't realize that you had clinicians who were having to worry about raising the capital to replace the roof of the building in two years' time. It, it seems like a terrible waste of their skill set. Um, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a real concern. As I say, it, it, it go, as I say so not 72 years ago, it was when people used to, run, used to have a single doctor run it from his front room of his house, yeah. and that used to be how people used to do it. 72 years later, and it's still exactly or almost exactly the same model. The only thing that's changed is the burden on partners in GP's practices has have become ever more, uh, ever more extensive, and that's and that's just really difficult. Um, and, and for me, rather than some of the messing around with the health service that's been going on over the last um, 20 years. I think a much more sensible thing to have been doing was recognising you've got this model that is um, that was based on a very different world, mm. and actually dealing with that, as well as obviously 
training up more GPs. But one of the big reasons why GPs, why there's a shortage of GPs, is because, and it isn't just for the partners, but the burdens put on GPs compared to what they used to be 20 odd years ago have increased more and more. And therefore, it's not as attractive a proposition as working in a hospital. Um, uh, and, and also, um, quite a few people anecdotally I've talked to who um, looked at possibilities of GP training have actually ended up going, I don't really want to work in a hospital. I want to work as a family doctor, but I don't want to do it in the UK. So I've actually gone abroad. So it's a it's a it's a particular way that we have uh, we have going on, and so as we as as with so many things, central government looks at things in a very we'll put more money into the NHS broadly and across the board, but actually some of the real structural issues they just aren't dealing with. Anymore. And I think that's where it you know again when hmm. you look at so many of these challenges, it's that you know there, there are elements of the NHS which are so big and so complex and so difficult to solve you know just throwing more money at it won't make it better you know at the end of the day there is an element again you know when you look at the role of a gp their their pay compared compared to you know other professions is is very good but there's an element of once you're earning at a certain threshold you know offering you an extra few thousand pounds a year that's not the tipping point, is it? That's going to motivate you to say, "Well, actually, I'll, you know, I'm 50. I've paid my mortgage. I've, you know, my my children have been through school. Do you know what? Actually, I'd like to drop down to two days a week because." Yeah, but surely we want doctors to be doctors, not practice oh, yeah, managers. Yeah, no, no, right? absolutely. So it, it's a there's there's a whole kind of question, isn't there, like oh, about the de- definitely organisation yeah. stuff. Well, thank yep. you, Matt. That's been really insightful to get that sort of level of understanding as to kind of what's going on because you know just obviously people will be concerned about what happens to their surgery and and what kind of happens next um but it's interesting to see the sorts of things you know the sorts of solutions you're having to try and come up with because you know um the actual powers that the the local council have got in in the in this situation are are actually fundamentally quite limited yep so matt if you're happy we'll invite you back in a few months time and you can uh you can Give the listeners an update. Tell us how you did. And tell us how you did, and we'll score you out of 10. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So we'll be having the... Uh, we're going to be organising this first meeting of all the all the partners together um, in the next in the next few weeks. Um, and then, and then yeah, I'll be more than happy to sort of report back, and we'll also be raising this more at council and making sure that everyone's informed, because obviously this is, this is of particular concern for... For everyone, and I think now it's now it's really come to light, uh, in particularly with Hamway Roads, um, uh, it, it, it's really putting that into context of, you know, where next, uh, making sure that people are kept informed with what's going on. Brilliant. Okay. Matt, thanks Great ever stuff. so much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Appreciate that. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Well, there we go. Thank you very much, Matt. He was very good for a first guest, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. Very well, good. I'm very impressed with him. Pause one moment while I just do something quickly with the... Right, okay, sorry. Right. Are we back? I'll explain what what went wrong then later on. Um, So excuse me for furiously pressing buttons like a... I'll take it Matt is a Lib Dem, doesn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. Oh, surprisingly eloquent. (laughs) Cheeky 
Ah, marvellous. Shall we um, move? Talking of, talking of, uh, talking of Lib Dems, um, surprisingly elo- eloquent, we have uh, Dave Ashmore is in the chat room. Is he? Yeah. The lovely Dave Ashmore. Yeah. Um, and his fellow ward colleague, Dave Fuller, was, was there earlier on. I don't know if he still is. Uh, but I, hi, guys. I frightened Dave Fuller once. You what? Did he used to be Lord Mayor? He is Lord Mayor. He is Lord Mayor, he but he's been Lord, Lord Mayor, Mayor before. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I he think, might well have I think he has. It's a, it's a role to which he is supremely suited. I think he was one of the... He was the Lord Mayor that we took on the the blindfold walk around the around Guildhall with a guide dog. So ah. we rocked up with a guide dog in training. He popped the blindfold on, and then we went for a uh, went for a very jolly jaunt around... Uh, around all these shops and uh, and the A boards and all the street clutter that risks and and yes no very good sport if it was Dave Fuller if it wasn't I've been unduly nice to him but uh, I'm sure he'd be a good guy well I if mean, he hasn't well then he can obviously stick yeah, his hand up and have a go now. Of course um, I'm I'm sure he'd be willing to do that he's 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 always up for um, for getting involved uh, and doing stuff so okay so that was us talking about the intricacies of GP provision in the city. What should we go to next? Labour leadership race. The Labour leadership race. Told you she was daft, didn't I? Thornbury. Ah, oh, yes. Surprised she got this far. Yes, yes. So um, Emily Thornbury has has now left left the, 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 the race. Um, so the the ballot that then goes to membership is now Keir Starmer, Rebecca Long Bailey, and Lisa Nandy for the leader. Um, they've had a couple of. Debates, haven't they, recently? There was one on Victoria Derbyshire, which I caught the yep. other day, um, which I thought was really good. Um, I, th- If I'm honest, I um, not that obviously I get a say in, in who either, whatever happens to the leadership of the Labour Party, um, but um, if I'm honest, I, I thought um, Lisa Nandy actually came, came across really, really well. She wasn't afraid to um, counter some of the perceptions or views that people had in the audience and say the thing that they perhaps didn't want to hear mm-hmm. but she explained her reasoning well um and um she tackled uh, i think she tackled well the solutions but she also came across in a really in a really kind of human way yeah i think um, she, so. she she does come across a very human candidate i do wonder i mean they are all human obviously are they all but, all hu- mm, <laughs> now now two out of three ain't bad. be nice um but we'll um with with lisa I, I do wonder she came out and again made a really interesting point about the fact that you know, she's not prepared to travel down to London on a Sunday from Wigan to do a 10-minute interview. She'd much rather spend the day with her family. Um, and I think, you know, one of the... Well, there was a piece in the paper in a couple of weeks ago which basically said, you know, you can move number 10 to Wigan and I'm quite happy to move into it. So a bold stance. Um, obviously, working mum, I think her, her child is four at the moment. So I rather cruelly speculated that she wouldn't have to worry until he was 14 before she'd have to face the dilemma of moving into number 10 but um no i think she is the uh she is the the candidate that that most outside of the labor party seem to admire and quite a few within it um obviously rebecca long bailey was on the what's it called is it andrew marr show she was yeah she was this morning mm-hmm. god she's absolutely ghastly isn't she just a hideous, hideous, uh, a Corbynite of the first war. Oh, I'm not the continuity Corbyn candidate. How insulting, apart from the fact that I agree with everything he's done and everything was in the manifesto and we'll keep everything the same and somehow it'll be different. But I'm not the Corbyn continuity candidate. Ghastly. I, I guess the point 
not a fan. Trying to be made there was that she's her own person. Oh, no, um, she's But not. just happens to agree with everything that Corbyn said. Oh, it? she's her own person. Yeah. My broad, hairy bottom. Anybody um, that Glenn McCluskey supports. Well, that's yeah. not an image that I no. really want, thanks. No, um, I'd have a t-shirt that says, if Glenn McCluskey supports you, I don't. No, they're horrible. Oh, because uh, Glenn McCluskey was on a, on a programme earlier on today as well, wasn't he? Oh, Glenn, it's time we punish the rich McCluskey. Yeah, that's the sort of collaborative, collegiate, warmer kind of politics we're looking for. <laughs> no, she can go and boil her bottom. Kia Starmer, I think he's eloquent. I think he's the... He's the centrist candidate. The question is really whether come February the 24th, when it's time to put the X in the box, do the Momentumites belt out a couple of verses of the red flag and just go for the Rebecca Wrong Daily? Well, um, as neither of us get a say in that, um, if you're listening and you do have a say in in what happens in the leadership Labour leadership contest, we'd love to hear. Then please do let us know. You can either comment in the in the chat thing that's that's set up with the Facebook Live, or if you'd actually like to um, like to call into the show, um, we'd be more than happy to uh, to take your call and, and to listen to listen to what you've got to say. And this is the point where I frantically look up for the number because I've forgotten it again. It's zero seven something something something. Oh well, that that's helpful. <laughs> Oh, that's good because you know zero seven yeah, yeah. always bit yeah okay yep. so it's oh seven four seven five eight three seven nine 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 so that's oh seven four seven five eight three seven nine 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 that's the hotline mm. to the Pompey Politics podcast and we know studio. it works we know it works mm. because Matt thank you very much Matt for being our for being the person that was um that agreed to a, a telephone being our first telephone guest um, sadly when we did our Live means live Brexit special. No one was no, no. sober enough to call in, or maybe they were—I don't know—maybe they were sober and decided not to call in because no. they were. I don't know. So either way, twenty-fourth, so, I think it's when the ballots go out, and I think it's a couple of weeks later that we will we will find out who the uh, who the next leader of the opposition is for the next five years, ten years, unless they get sacked after losing the next election in twenty twenty-four. Well, that's that's cheery. Well, they've got, whoever they are, they've cheery got, for me. They've obviously got a vote of confidence from Ian. Oh, absolutely. Um, and from Dominic Cummings. Yeah. So, um, so okay, yes. So we'll report on that as as that keeps happening. So that's Labour leadership. That's Sajid Javid. That's surgeries at full council. Um, budget. What else? Should we talk about Portsmouth City budget? I saw a bit of Twitter. A bit of Twitter. A bit of Twitter. Um, old friend of the pod, Scott Pater Harris, wasn't wildly happy with the with the outcome. Um, uh, well, um, surprisingly, both the well, the Labour Party, the Conservative Party, and the and I'm sorry, I'm going to fluff up the title of them, but the three P's, the People's the Portsmouth People's Progressive Party. Sorry, I don't uh, think it's sorry, three Claire of them. and Jeanette. I think it's two of them. No, as in the the title oh, the, is the three, is, the three, the three, three or four points. So yeah, yeah. I apologise. Um, I, I just can't get my head sufficiently around that. I shall have to learn that with the telephone number. Yep. So, the, um, so all of the opposition parties actually put forward suggestions to the administration as to um, what mm-hmm. amendments they think should uh, be made to the budget. Um, and I think the the Lib Dems subsumed some of the some of the suggestions that the uh, that. Claire Rudy and uh, Janet Smith made uh, from the PPP, um, but the the 
motions that were the uh, basically the amendments from or, suge- or requested amendments from the Labour Party and the Conservative Party both fell. Mm. They, they they didn't go through. Um, but it's a it's a strong budget. There's there's lots of things going on in it. Um, there's um, it is uh, to use the to use the administration's own own phrase. It is the greenest budget that Portsmouth uh, Portsmouth City Council has has, um, has seen. So um, there's lots to do in it. Probably lots more still to do. Obviously, green isn't a, you know resolve you know dealing with uh, dealing with our economy and dealing with decarbonising our economy isn't a one year fix is it there's there's things that we need to start doing start doing now and keep actually improving on and, and building on but there are lots of big things about rolling out um the uh the really successful food waste trial to parts of the city um increased provision in um homeless housing for homeless families and for homeless people um increases um in um in all sorts of areas, can't remember them now because I've got the notes in front no. of me. Um, but um, yeah, there's there's lots there that um, that was really good for the city. I think that it's yeah. um, that it's a really powerful budget. You did did you? I'm just gonna yeah. No, I I, I mean hurriedly get it up. The thing the thing is with all of with all the budgets, uh, irrespective of who's leading the council, a, a lot of them the same. Uh, you know, the, the areas that we need to focus on are the areas we need to focus on, irrespective of who's sat in the chair. I mean, the one the one of the um, amendments that I thought had some merit that didn't uh, didn't get through was the. I, I'm still not sure that I admire the the rolling elections every uh, three years out of four and then one year off, because um, it does it does seem to mean that. That we're almost in a state of perpetual sort of quote unquote hung parliament with the Labour Party being kingmaker, um, and it, it does mean that whilst you might want to set out an agenda longer than a year, there is a chance that it'll go horribly wrong for you in May, and it'll all change again, which I'm not sure is great for stability. Um, well, it might not be great for stability, but isn't it good that? Um three years out of four that the people in Portsmouth get to have their say as to whether they effectively want the existing administration to continue. Yeah, well, they don't really get that say, do they? Well, they, they do, because by voting um, to change whoever their councillor is, they get a chance to actually say so effectively who is, the, who is the majority number of, um, of councillors in, in the city. So they get to change a third of the councillors. Uh, yeah. So there is an element, and this is where, uh, and maybe this is for another show, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, we've done before, we have our tin of beans seats, don't we, where it doesn't matter who's standing in the count for the council, provided they've got the right coloured rosette, they may as well be a tin of beans because they're going to get elected. And actually, oh, I guess it's similar to the UK politics, you know, there is an element of, unless something significant changes... Um, you know, even if there's a massive upsurge for one particular party, you're only going to get to nibble away at a little bit of the uh, of the council. But without going into yeah, I, interestingly, to kind of bounce off your own point though, though, um, but you're right. I think there's a, there's a, probably a conversation for a, another day. But um, electing in thirds, as we do, means that smaller parties or even independents actually have a better chance than they would no. if they were competing every four Ooh, years you big fibber That's, i well, would no. i will I will, if if no, larger parties stop, with stop, loads of money stop, are able stop. to chuck loads of that money and resource at oh. 
only campaigning every four years smaller groups only have a have a smaller amount of money and resources to be able to chuck at that question for you yeah question for you okay when was the last time an independent or a green got elected as a councillor in Portsmouth I don't have the answer to that question but I can guarantee that it would be even less likely if we elected in every four years I know the answer okay there hasn't ever been one okay so do you think it's less or more likely if we change to what you suggested well I think there is an element of well I I have an issue that for me if you elect somebody I I would he's fudging no 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 because what I would stop Mm. is what we have at the moment which is that we have councillors elected as representing a party and within six to nine months of them being elected as a councillor for that party or even perhaps sooner they then decide to change the colour of their scarf and walk across the floor from my perspective that's fine you can choose to do that but it's a by-election well lots of people don't vote for someone necessarily because of whichever party they're actually from so as we as we've discussed before um Good, there, good. There's a there's a there's a split as to whether people actually vote for the person or for the party. But as we said earlier on, let's let's yeah, park that one for yeah, another day. I think yeah. it's certainly something to touch on. Maybe I, something I we so. can no, ask I'll... our listener. Oh, we got six people watching. If oh, my eyesight no, is correct, that's, that's, that's three times the, I know, the cast. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's they've growing. not all been there from the beginning, so to be fair, they've they're kind of maybe drifting in. That's, that's Welcome fine. to Welcome you indeed. if you're if you're if you're following us now. So that's really great. So okay. So and and just to um, as I completely forgot earlier on because I couldn't find my notes. So some of the other headlines were um, from the from the um, budget that's been passed by full council was um, installing wind turbines um, and electric goods vehicles at the port to help them achieve the goal of being the fir- UK's first carbon neutral port. I love a wind turbine. I have no. I, I know. I feel like there's a buck coming. No, I. I don't understand. I know. I, I don't understand President Trump at all. But well, it, you don't have it, to. He just he t- says does, random stuff. He doesn't to like people. a wind turbine. Well, I've always thought that's because like- he's off the school of thought that thinks that if you keep putting solar power solar panels out, then the sun will go out. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, I love a wind turbine. I'm, I'm right behind that one. More wind turbines. Excellent. So um, the expansion of the food waste trial, which um, which we talked about. Yep. Um, and I believe the plan is to actually roll that out across the city when the current contract ends by the end of two, uh, sorry, 2021. Um, so an expansion and then a, then a full rollout the, the year later. Um, introducing green, uh, green infrastructure funds to pay for more tree planting um, and other greening, um, which will help us improve air quality. Um, developing more safe routes for cycling and walking, um, new litter bins to separate recycling, and more on-street um, electric car charging points. So as people tend to move to, um, tend to move over to more, with, with you know definitely the the green transition with transport is kind of mm-hmm. taking place. I mean fundamentally, kind of as Matt was talking about with regard to GPs, some of the really big stuff is national. Yeah, and I'm I'm not as happy with the electric cars as I am with the wind turbines. Love a wind turbine, don't like an electric car. What, what have you got against electric cars? I am not, I'm yet to be, and this is where I might turn into President Trump. So forgive me, because I haven't done this. I am still enti- not entirely convinced that the amount of extra uh, environmental damage in building the batteries and, as batteries principally, and the heavy metals and everything that go into those, 
I'm largely unconvinced that they are as green. Yes, they're green from a gas output perspective, but I do worry sometimes that your electric vehicle is just moving your environmental problem somewhere else. And also, as a fully-fledged blindy, they are absolutely bloody deadly. So um, you'll be pleased to know that there was a European directive yes, about giving was, them noise? Yes, there was, and splendid that it was. And as part of Guide Dogs, we campaigned for it. And it was a really great piece of work from the European Union to issue that directive and to get it passed. And that's not a phrase you will hear from Ian every day? Only one downside, though. <laughs> What's that? You know it's very turn-off and honourable. Yeah, and it's not a legal requirement as part of that directive to have it turned on. So you've legally got to have it in the car. Mm. But when you receive your shiny new electric thing, you can tap the screen and go, engine making noise, let the blind people know you're coming, off. And you can then scud along in the style of Night Rider and be distracted as the blind person bounces off the bonnet of your car. Is this you arguing for more European interference? No, what I'm saying is that the Europeans have been incredibly ineffective as always, but now we've <laughs> taken back control, we can take back the sure. control that says you can't turn the control off on your car to make it silent. Okay, I, I must have missed that in the manifesto from the Conservatives where they promised to do that. They, they, um, so, so, small, so, small so talking of... Um, yeah, right... Um, so talking of um, talking of other things, so one of the things on the list that we originally kind of um, we um, we wanted to talk about was um, well to be fair, it's seven forty-five. Should we do this one quick? No, then? I don't think we should. I think we. Think- I, I think fundamentally, and you know, whilst our listeners have have, have enjoyed suffered this, enough, <laughs> they've suffered enough, and I fundamentally got a toad in the hole. It's not we, a euphemism. We, no, 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 it's not a euphemism. A sausage, but again, not a euphemism, dinner that will be waiting for me at 8pm. And should I not be back in time, I have two very large children who almost certainly will attempt to steal the sausages out. Of, I, will, I will simply and be left. And you left your dog behind. And I've left my dog behind, so I will be, in fact, toadless in my whole based arrangement. So I think it's been a splendid episode. Well done, Matt. He's been brilliant. Okay. Right. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm still Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm still Simon Sandspring. And Matt Winnington, he's really rather good. <laughs>